Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. guys, this is Chelsea with Nimrod Outdoors. Thank you so much for tuning in. And hey, we are so thankful for our sponsors. Because of them, we are given the opportunity to invite men to participate in our retreat weekends, make this podcast, provide respite care for pastors and missionaries, and do speaking engagements. For every new sponsor that supports us for just $20 a month, we get to take another step forward in sharing the gospel and changing lives one family at a time. So thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Nimrod Outdoors monthly sponsor, please visit nimrodoutdoors.com backslash give. Hey, we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, good morning, folks. This is M.A. Dozer with the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, and I am glad that you are with us today. Um, We are going to share with you a message in which I got to speak with at Rock Branch Baptist Church this past week. Um, It is pre-recorded, and I hope that you enjoy it. I dive into uh, the state of the church um, and what God has called us to be as men, husbands, and fathers, and spiritual leaders, and what does that look like for the future generations coming after us. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. Um, We'll pick up kind of part way through the message, um, and uh, we'll see you after the message. Well, good morning, church. How are y'all doing? Good, good, good. Hey, before I get started, I just want to say thank you so much for being a church that allows our pastors to leave for a weekend and get rest and rejuvenation, especially with their wives. It is so needed. Um, And, you know, I told Pastor Kevin when he was leaving, I said, hey, turn off your phone, turn off everything, get away. Um, But if I know Kevin Vaughn, there's a 100% chance he is watching online right now. And so uh, y'all need to behave, okay? Okay. But my name's M.A. Dozier. Uh, My wife Chelsea and our kids moved down from the mountains of North Carolina about two and a half years ago. Um, And uh, we are honored and blessed to be able to share with you today about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors. Um, As you saw in the video, uh, the video does a great job of telling you what we do and how we do it. But a good portion of my time this morning is I want to talk to you about why we do it. What is the importance of building up spiritual leaders in the home? Um, But before I do that, I really want to uh, give you kind of a a foundation story of how Nimrod got to be and how we got to be here. Um, I want to make it short, uh, not because the details don't matter. The details definitely matter because God's been through it all. Um, But just for time's sake, uh, we'll make it short. Uh, But this is going to be my shameless plug for the Nimrod Outdoors podcast. We put on a podcast bi-weekly, and if you want to hear our full story of how God has worked from very beginning to where we are today, uh, you can get on our podcast. It's free to listen uh, and hear our story, and we have a bunch of other content there as well that you can look at. So there's my shameless plug for that. But Nimrod Outdoors got started back in 2013. Um, Chelsea and I were newly married. We were living in North Carolina, and my family had a a deer hunting lease, and I had felt a calling on my life to use my passion for the outdoors to engage dads with their kids in the outdoors and share with them the truth that God has ordained them to be the spiritual leaders of the home. So I approached my family, and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to take dads hunting. I want to lodge them. I want to feed them, and I want to do devotions. And from day one, my family was all on board. And so in fall of 2013, we started our very first father-son deer hunting trips. And uh, I think we did two weekends that fall. We hosted maybe just a total of six dads. Um, But I loved it because I felt like I was doing what God had called me to do. 
Uh, but going to early 2014, uh, my wife Chelsea came to me and she said, hey, she said, do you believe God's called us to do this? And I said, without a doubt. And she said, I do too. And she said, so if we're going to do it and we're going to do it right, we need to build a good foundation and we need to become a nonprofit. And so we started the process of looking at what that looks like, all the paperwork, all the legal side of things. And I say we, uh, but really Chelsea did it all. And I'm here to tell you right now, without my wife, uh, Nimrod Outdoors would not be what it is today. Um, she does all the smart things and all the things I can't do, which is probably about 99% of them. And so I am thankful and blessed that God has uh, partnered her with me. Um, but uh, so she started doing all the paperwork, getting it all together, getting us in touch with a lawyer and, and figuring out what it meant to become a nonprofit. And after about a month, she sat me down at the table. She said, hey, I got it all put together. All the paperwork's filled out. We're ready to send it off. But here's one thing. She said, the IRS requires an application fee to become a nonprofit. And I looked at that dollar amount, and I said, we can't afford that. I, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. And we, we had a little discussion there, and I got up from the table, and I walked out to the mailbox to check the mail for the day. And inside the mailbox was an envelope, and it said, to Nimrod Outdoors. Um, went inside, opened it up, and there was a check in there from a dad that had come on our very first weekend, and it said in the memo line, Nimrod Outdoor Startup, and it was for the exact dollar amount we needed to send to the IRS. And so this was a pivotal moment in the Dozier's lives in which we knew God had called us to do something, and all he was saying was just be faithful in the next step and I'm going to take care of the rest. And so that's what we did. And over the years, we continued to grow. We went from doing just father-son hunts to father-daughter hunts. We were doing turkey hunts, fishing trips. We were going all over. Um, you know, we were engaging uh, college students on outdoor trips, doing three-day uh, canoeing trips down the French Broad River, uh, pouring the gospel of Christ into them. And we were loving every minute of it. Um, but you get into about the fall of 2018, early 2019, and Chelsea comes to me and uh, in transparency, she said, hey, she said, I know God has called us to this. She said, but I'm getting a little overwhelmed. Um, she said, I, I don't know if I could keep doing it the way we're doing it because we were traveling every weekend. We were both working jobs. Uh, we now had kids. We were living out of hotel rooms on the weekends, and she was trying to do everything she does with the administration of the ministry and keep kids in a hotel room. Uh, she said, I just don't know what's next. So this really put the Dozers into a season of life in which we just started praying and saying, okay, God, we need some wisdom and discernment here. Um, and what we didn't know was during that same time, God was raising up people in our lives that were going to love on us, and they were going to have crucial conversations with us that were going to push us further and faster than we ever imagined we'd want to. And to be honest with you, there was times where we were still hanging on back here, not ready to let go. Um, but God has been faithful with that. And so some of those key conversations pushed us to where we are today. And I'm here to tell you right now, church, when you start opening yourself up to the will of the Lord and you start acting in obedience to what God has called you to, you better hold on because God starts making moves. And within 67 days of me and Chelsea sitting down at a table and saying, okay, God, everything's here on the center. We're pushing all the chips in on the table. From 67 days from that moment in North Carolina, we ended up down here in Elberton, Georgia. When we moved down here, we didn't have any jobs. We didn't have any friends. We didn't have any family. You may ask, why Elberton, Georgia? I have no idea except for God called us down here, and that's what we did. Um, and so when we first moved down here, uh, my first job as a husband and as a father was to find a church home for my family. 
And so first week we were here, first Sunday we were here, I said, let's get up. We're going to go to church. And we walked in the doors of Rock Branch Baptist Church, and we have never left. Um, and I thank you, church, for being a family that has loved on us and has helped us and supported us. Now, Chelsea and I made a very intentional decision when we walked into a church and we decided to make it be a family home for our family that we were not going to publicly promote the ministry right off the bat because we wanted the church to know the Dozers. We did not want the church to know us as Nimrod Outdoors. And so we have actively been just being here, y'all loving on us. A lot of y'all have given up your time and talents for the ministry because of one-on-one -on -one conversations we've had with you. Um, y'all have loved on us when we just had our new baby, uh, Joey, seven weeks ago. The church brought us meals, and I can't say thank you enough for being a church that has loved on us the way y'all have loved on us. So thank you with that. Um, but we got here, we kind of, we were here about six to eight months, and I was like, okay, I said, we got a pretty good foundation. We found a church family and a church home. I'm ready to start doing ministry. This is what God has called us down here to do. Well, that would have been about February, March of 2020, and we know what happened there. COVID-19 hit, right? And so I was, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was getting frustrated. You know, another extension of the ministry that you did not see in the video is we have a huge heart for respite care for pastors and missionaries. And so that's another thing we do is we get in touch with churches and we're like, hey, we want you to bless your pastor with a weekend away. And we will we'll set up all the activities, we'll set up all the lodging, we'll set up all the food. Y'all just send them out and we want to pour into them so they can continue to pour into y'all. Well, I was calling, trying to make phone calls. Well, guess what? The world was shut down. So you go one month in, two months in, three months in, you get to about month eight, and I'm frustrated. And I'm asking God, what's the deal here? Because you uprooted my entire family from a place that we knew and we had foundation and moved us down here for what? I was like, I, I can't do anything that you have called me to do. And I remember I had a conversation with my dad who's here today. Um, and uh, I said, Dad, I said, I'm frustrated. I said, I'm, I don't feel like we're doing what God has called us to do. And he said, M.A., one thing you need to understand is from the foundations of the earth, God knew that COVID-19 was going to hit. And he knew that before he even sent you down there. So your job is just being faithful in the next right step and expecting God to, to follow in what he has done and follow out in his plan. And so that's what we've done. And I'm pleased to tell you that as of June of 2021, we were able to start hosting our first events. We were able to host over 18 dads this past year, uh, engage them with the truth of the gospel. We hosted four different pastors and their kids um, and allowed them to come and enjoy uh, everything that Elberton has to offer with the fishing and hunting and the outdoors. And uh, we are looking, uh, actually, I don't want to miss this. We did our first ever women's fishing event where my wife had seven women come and she got to pour into them and tell them that God has purpose for them and that they are queens in, the, in his kingdom. Um, and we were, uh, so we're excited about that. And we're looking to build in 2022. Um, so you may be sitting here and you may be asking, well, how does outdoor hunting trips and fishing trips correlate to ministry? And that is a good question. If the focus is solely on the outdoor trips, then we do not have a ministry. But if the focus is on presenting the gospel of Christ and infecting the hearts of men, husbands, and fathers with the truth of the gospel that they were called to spiritually lead their families, then we use the outdoors as a platform to give that information to them. And so that comes into the heart of what I want to talk to you about today is why is it important that we build up men to be spiritual leaders? So deep in our souls, 
Every single one of us asks this question, whether we admit it or not, we ask this question, does my father love me? See, who we are and who we've become over the years is a direct correlation to the relationships we have with our earthly fathers. And those relationships we have with our earthly fathers build the lens in which we view our heavenly father from. Statistically speaking, if a father is to give his life to the Lord first in a household, there is a 98% chance the rest of the family will follow his leadership. See, God has uniquely crafted fathers to be the greatest influencers in the lives of their children. And even the secular world will tell us that the root cause of the major societal issues we see today is because of lack of fathers in the home. As men, we were created to provide and protect. But somehow along the way, we have become silent and passive in the spiritual realms. And because of that, we are seeing the greatest falls away from the church our nation has ever seen. A 2019 survey by the Barner Group says that only, only 25% of millennials attend a religious service regularly. Now, I want you to notice it says religious service. It does not say evangelical. So the number of those being actual Bible-believing Christ-centered are way fewer. See, I'm a millennial, and now I have three kids. So what will that statistic read in another 10 to 20 years if we do not start addressing the problem now? For decades, we have seen society fall further and further, further and further into chaos, and we've tried to make excuses to cast blame on why this is happening. We like to blame school systems. We like to blame political parties. We love to blame the younger generations. But in reality, we, the men of the church, are the ones to blame. See, we have been tasked with the responsibility with the upbringing and leadership of our kids in the spiritual realms. There's an ancient proverb that says, if a candle maker was to make a candle, but yet he forgot to put the wick in the center, and therefore the candle could no longer illuminate the dark like it was created to, who would be to blame? The candle or the candle maker? Men, we have sat behind the gates of heaven and shook our heads at the world in disgust and unbelief as the world continues to fade away. But God never commanded us to stay silent and sit behind the gate. God called us to spiritually lead our families and train them to be world changers for the kingdom of Christ. But we have become complacent in our responsibilities. So where's the problem? The problem lies in the fact that we, the men of the church, have become silent and stagnant in training up our kids in the spiritual realms. Men, we are called to be warriors. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Luke 12, 35 says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. 1 Peter 1, 13 says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, America saw great revival in the 1950s. Churches were exploding, people were getting saved, and the th things were great. Church participation of the American populace was about 78%. It stayed flatlined there until about the year 2000. And in the past 20 years, we've seen a greater than 50% fall from church attendance. This tells me we got complacent. This tells me we just got happy with the status quo. This tells me 
that we made church a club that we attend rather than an army that pushes back the darkness to look for the souls. We quit being watchful. We quit being alert. We quit spiritually leading. And we quit living out the Great Commission. See, the last command Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven was go therefore and make disciples. So here's the question. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who submits to the authority of Jesus Christ and then continues in the process of making more disciples. Church, just telling someone about Jesus does not make a disciple. Just inviting someone to church does not make a disciple. Making a passive-aggressive post on Facebook will not make disciples. Voting a certain political affiliation into, into office has not, will not, and never will make a disciple. Church, listen to me. It absolutely breaks my heart that in the last election, a large majority of the evangelical church made it abundantly clear that we were more focused on who won the election than on the eternal resting place of the souls of the lost that God has called us to go after. To, pat, to quote one of my favorite pastors, Joby Martin, he says, we are not called to bow our knee to the donkey or to the elephant. We are called to surrender to the lion who was slain like a lamb to redeem his people. What's up, what's up? It's time for that mid-podcast shout-out. But hey, we need some business partners to make a shout-out to. So by becoming a business partner, you get a place on our website and advertising right here on our growing podcast. To learn more, please visit nimrodoutdoors.com backslash ministry partners. Now, back to the episode. So how do we make disciples? We make disciples by daily pouring the truth of the gospel into their hearts until they surrender to Christ, and then we continue to walk with them through this life of following after Jesus. Acts 1.8, Jesus is speaking and he says, you will be my witness, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I know I read this and in our culture today, we are busy. Everybody's busy, I get it. <laughs> and we read this and I look at it and I'm like, I, I can't put another thing on my plate. It overwhelms us. But what if I was to tell you that you could present the gospel to the ends of the earth inside your own homes? You don't believe me? I've volunteered youth ministry for 15 years. Have you ever ventured into a middle school boy's bedroom? That's about the ends of the earth. <laughs> Have you ever tried to reason with a teenage girl? That's borderline extraterrestrial, folks. How quickly we forget that the best place we can make disciples is in our own homes with the people that sit around our dinner tables and the people we call family. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, God lays out his plan for us as the church on how we're supposed to spiritually lead our kids. This is not a recommendation. This is not a suggestion. This is a command from God himself. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates." 
See, what God is laying out here is not a systematic routine of devotions and theological exposition. He's saying that it should be the fiber of who we are. It should be an every waking moment lifestyle. The problem the church has today is that we have slowly faded in the mindset that church is something we do rather than who we are. Our society has evolved into the school of thought that someone is always more qualified to raise my child. The teacher is more qualified to educate. The coach is more qualified to instruct. The youth pastor or Sunday school teacher is more qualified to spiritually raise my children. The problem is that flies in direct opposition to God's word. Listen, I would put Pastor Tim, our, our high school or our youth volunteers, our children volunteers up against anyone. We have truly been blessed here at Rock Branch with some of the greatest spiritual mentors our children can be around. But one day we will all stand before the throne of the Almighty to give an account on how we spiritually led our kids. And on that day, the responsibility solely lies on us as men, husbands, and fathers. Now, ladies, don't tune me out, okay? Because you play a major role. God has uniquely crafted you and designed you to walk alongside your man and love him and raise your children with passion and warmth. You have no, you have no idea the amount of influence you have in your, in your man's life to push him toward God on a daily basis. I know in my own life, my wife Chelsea constantly challenges me and pushes me to follow after God and to lead our family well. She makes me better because she pushes me toward God. Now you may be sitting here and you may be a single man. You don't have kids or you may be married and don't have kids. I'm not letting you off the hook, okay? Do you know that 38% of kids in Elbert County grow up without a father in the home? Get involved in youth ministry, youth sports, inside the schools. Go make a difference for the kingdom of Christ. Senior adult men, you have no idea the wisdom and discernment you can pour into the younger generation. Just because your kids are out of the house does not mean you are done spiritually leading them. See, God did not just pursue us to the point of the cross and then say, hey, I'll see you when you get here. No, he daily pursues us. He daily pushes into us and he daily molds us into the people we are called to be. Should we not do the same for our own children? So how do we start being intentional with the spiritual growth of our children? Well, I was recently having a conversation with Trent Lovingood about having devotions with our kids, and maybe you can relate because it just takes one small little distraction to derail the whole thing, right? Anybody been there? I think planned devotions are great. I think teaching our kids to memorize scripture is great. But I would argue to say that the life we live in front of our kids has way greater impact than the words we speak to them in a lecture-type setting. Let me share a story from a couple years ago with Nimrod Outdoors to explain what I mean. And this story, if you see our table out front back there, the middle picture uh, is who is in this story. And it's the story of Isaac and Dylan. Now, we were, we were advertising a father-son weekend, and uh, I had a guy call me, Isaac, and he said, hey, he said, I want to come on your father-son weekend, but I don't have a son, but I have a 14-year-old brother-in-law that his dad has never been a part of his life, and I just want to give him a great weekend. And I was like, Isaac, bring him along. That would be awesome. Well, on every weekend we do, we do devotions, and we pour into these men about being the spiritual leaders of their home. 
And on this particular weekend, I talked about being intentional with the small moments of time God gives us to pour truth into the hearts of our children. Well, I did that at lunch, and so that evening we, we went and put them out in the woods. Um, and after dinner, Isaac said, hey, I, I want to talk to you about something. And he pulls me aside and he goes, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with Dylan in the deer stand this evening. He said, I was sitting there, and your devotion on being intentional with the small moments of time just was eating at me. And he said, so I, he said, my palms are sweaty. I was nervous. He said, but I, I said, Dylan, I want to talk to you. And he said, he said this to Dylan. He said, Dylan, I know that you're hurt because your, your earthly father has never been a part of your life. And you wonder if something's wrong with you and you, you deal with trust issues and you deal with abandonment issues. He said, but I want to tell you something. He said, I love you. He said, but more importantly, you have a heavenly father that loves you. And scripture says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that he sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross. And I was like, Isaac, that is incredible, bro. I said, what? What, what did Dylan say? He goes, Dylan just sat there and stared in the woods and didn't say anything. And I was like, what'd you do? He said, man, it got real awkward real quick. And he said, I just put my arm around his shoulder. And he said, we sat in silence until it got dark. And I said, Isaac, I said, look, man, I said, thank you for being faithful. You don't know this side of heaven, the impact you made. I said, you were, you just made the next right step. Well, here's the awesome thing. We don't always get this picture because it's not our job to know the end result. But about a month later, I get a call from Isaac, and he said, M.A., you will not believe it. He said, last night, Dylan came to me, and he said, I've been thinking about that conversation we had in the deer stand. And he said, I want to know about my heavenly father. I want to know about this man named Jesus. And that night, Isaac prayed with Dylan to surrender his life to the authority of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes a greater impact is made with a two-minute intentional conversation than a lifetime of rigid, routine, planned-out lessons. How we live our lives in front of our children and the authenticity of our faith is a powerful tool. The truth is, if we do not spiritually lead our children, the world is waiting there with arms wide open, ready to do it for us. So where is our focus? The average American household spends 77.4 hours a week providing for their families in the physical realms. How much time are we spending providing for our families in the spiritual realms? My greatest fear as a husband and a father is found in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. And Jesus is speaking here. And Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not do, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, my greatest fear is that my, my wife and my kids will hear away from me for I never knew you because they had a husband and a father that may have told them about Jesus but I never showed them how to actually follow after Jesus and do his will. See, this scripture always gut punches me because Jesus is not talking about non-believers here. He's, he's talking about church people. He's talking about people that are here every week serving. I mean, look at what, they just, what he just said. He said that they were casting out demons in his name, prophesying in his name, doing mighty works in his name, but they were not doing his will. 
See, these people Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7 were met with a harsh reality that their whole life was a facade. Their faith was just a badge of accomplishment rather than a calling that drove their lives. And Jesus confronts this head on in Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28. Jesus is speaking and he says, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see that your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Listen, church, we need to examine our hearts, and we need to be intentional in examining the hearts of our children. We are not merely tasked with telling them about Jesus. We are called to tell them that they have a purpose and helping them, helping them and directing their lives to follow God's will. See, I recently had a conversation with a friend that had a son that dropped out of NC State University, and he had a prestigious PGA golf scholarship, and he dropped out to go into the mission field in Africa. And I asked this friend, I said, hey man, I said, how are you feeling about this? And he responded with this. He said, I've had to come to grips with the fact that Jordan is safer in the will of the Lord in Africa than he could ever be back home with us. Parents, are we challenging and pushing our kids to follow the will of the Lord wherever he may lead, or are we setting them up to hear, I never knew you, because we have a societal or a parental expectation that does not match God's will for their life? Look, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling your kids to quit school, but I am asking you to ask this question. Lord, what is your will for my life? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever opened up your life to the true calling of Christ? What if our kids actually saw us living for Jesus instead of just talking about Jesus? One thing I love about Rock Branch is we allow our youth to get involved. Church, do you realize that this morning you had a high schooler leading you in worship? You had a high schooler in this drum set right here playing drums. You had a college student right here singing. If you're watching me online this morning, it's because we have middle schooler running the camera. And if you can hear me, it's because we have middle schoolers back there in the sound booth serving for the kingdom of Christ. Young person, hear me. Middle schooler, high schooler, young adult, hear me. You may have been told that you are the future of the church. That is a lie. Because if Jesus is living in your heart here and now, you are the church. And you have unimaginable potential to make a difference for the kingdom of Christ right here, right now. Some of you may grow up to be doctors and lawyers. Some of you may be blue collar and be plumbers and electricians. Some of you may run for mayor. Some of you may run for federal politics. Those are all great things. But my question for you today is, how are you going to leverage those careers for the forward movement of the gospel of Christ? See, I love seeing our youth in the sound booth or on stage. Nothing warms my heart more than when I drop my kids off at children's church and there's a middle school or high school student sitting there that said, hey, I'm here to serve and love on your kids. Are we raising our kids to know that they have a purpose, that they were created by God with a purpose in the kingdom, and are we helping them walk in that purpose to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of Christ? Or are we just telling them to come sit in a chair for a couple hours a week?
See, Jesus is clear. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones that do the will of my Father. God's will is that we go and make disciples. Are we doing this? Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. This word train is an action word. So if my daughter Ridgely was going to come to me and say, hey, daddy, I want to run a marathon, how foolish would it be if I just told her, okay, here's the TV, watch some marathons on TV. Or if I told her, hey, I'll tell you what, I got this professional marathon runner, he's just going to talk to you about running marathons. No, see, she would have to actually lace up the shoes and start running. And then as her father and as her leader, I would need to be beside her, instructing her, encouraging her, and pushing her to get everything she could out of her lessons. As a kid, I used to race quarter midgets. They're kind of like go-kart type things. And on the hood of my car, so I could see it while I was racing, my dad put 1 Corinthians 9.24. And it says this, Do you realize that in a race everyone runs? but only one person gets the prize. So race to win. Looking at the state of the church today, it seems like we are just satisfied with finishing the race, much less winning the race. And in the words of Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you a secret. On Judgment Day, there are no participation trophies. There are saved and there are unsaved. And I want to make sure I'm on the winning side and I want to make sure my kids are warriors for the kingdom. And I want them to be radical in spreading the gospel. And I want them to follow God's will at all cost. See, as a husband and as a father, I want to provide for my kids everything this life can offer to them. I want to give them great livelihoods. But what does it matter if they live a good life here on earth, if they will spend eternity in hell because I was too focused on the material rather than spiritual? Mark 8.36 says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? See, our heart at the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors is to ignite a spark in your soul that will create a wildfire in your family for the forward movement of the gospel to a thousand generations. Psalms 127.3-5 says, Our kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. When it is my time to release my kids... It is my responsibility to make sure they fly straight and that they are led with the razor-sharp truth of God's Word to make the greatest impact they can in this world for the kingdom of Christ. But you know what that takes? That takes me as the spiritual leader to go and make my own life visible to them and be intentional in the decision to follow after Christ. Listen, there's no perfect parents. Ladies, there's no perfect man. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect father. I failed daily at being a husband and a father. But the amazing truth of the gospel is that it says that if we surrender our life to Christ, that Jesus is standing at the right side of God, interceding on our behalf. What does that mean that he's interceding? That means that every time we mess up, every time I fail, every time I sin, every time I am a bad father or a bad husband, it says that when the wrath of God wants to put me in the ground for my sins, Jesus is standing there saying, I paid for that. I died for that. It is covered in full. You may be sitting here this morning and you may say, well, I know this man named Jesus, and I hope that you do. But here's a hard, challenging question for us, church. Would Jesus say that he knows you? 
Or are you going to be met with, away from me, for I never knew you? Have you surrendered your life to the authority and leadership of Jesus Christ, and you are willing to follow him wherever he calls you to go? I'm going to ask the band to come up, and, and I'll start closing. But you know, we always talk about revival. We talk about revival in our church. We talk about revival in our nation. We say it, but are we willing to do the work to make it reality? How can we expect revival in our nation if we are neglecting to create revival in our own homes? So if you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to enter a time of invitation. And there's a quote that I absolutely love by the author of C.S. Lewis. And he says this. He says, when I die, I hope that all of hell rejoices that I'm out of the fight. Think about that for a moment, that you were such a formidable force in the kingdom of Christ that hell itself rejoices that you can no longer fight against them. I want to add one more line to that. I want the whole thing to say, when I die, I hope all of hell rejoices I am out of the fight. And then the cheers of the demons are silenced because of the generations coming after me preparing for war. See, I want to run to win. I want to hear my Father in heaven say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I want to raise my children to do the same. As a man, husband, and father, maybe you're here today and you haven't been leading the way God has called us to lead. Listen to me, today you can make a decision to branch your family in the direct, your family tree in the direction of Christ that can impact generations for generations. And the Bible says to a thousand generations. Maybe you're here today and you're a wife and you want to make a commitment to walk beside your man and love him and push him toward God and encourage him to be the man God has called him to be. And maybe you're in here today and you're a single mother and you're, hard, you're struggling. I see you. Scripture tells us as the church, we are supposed to come up beside you and be a foundation and a pillar and a light in the darkness for you. Give us the opportunity to be the church God has called us to be. And maybe you're here to know this man named Jesus, but something is stirring in your heart. Come see me. I'd love to tell you about him. I'd love to tell you how he died for you and he loves you. And that scripture says he will never leave you nor will he forsake you. As the band plays, this altar is open. But Lord, my prayer this, this morning is simple. Maybe we examine our hearts. Maybe we surrender to your authority. May we do your will. And may we raise our kids to do the same. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the podcast today. Um, I really got an opportunity to just share my heart and the heart of the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors with uh, Rock Branch Baptist Church and what an honor it was and a privilege. Um, and so I hope you enjoyed it today. Um, I hope that you got something from it. And uh, I hope that uh, we can all as men, husbands and fathers move forward in the forward movement of the gospel and focusing on making disciples out of our own children um, and really 
pushing them and driving them to do everything that God has called them to do um, and drop all of our societal and uh, basically parental expectations that we have for our kids and really just taking our kids and putting them at the feet of Jesus and saying, all right, God, they're yours. Uh, where do you want them to go? What do you want them to do? And I am here to help them in that journey of walking alongside you and following after you. And so um, I'm excited and we'll hopefully see you next week. But as always, uh, stay humble, stay focused and keep pressing on. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.